0: The Swain Event Podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways, and TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com, brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation.
1: Turkey man, good morning.
2: Guys, hey, who, who's the, who is the 3rd uh, same quarterback now?
3: Excuse me. The third the string third quarterback strength? would be Gaston Moore, a okay. a, a walk on transfer from UCF. Okay, I think. Okay. it would be him. Oh, uh, third string well, quarterback. Third
2: string, yes. yes. Yep, yeah. Because uh, I I don't want to see their second string quarterback. Uh, I'm not through with him, but I want to see what third string because it's a big drop off from one to two what we got right now. But the other, other question I was going to ask, uh, I noticed on Prime that Gabe uh, uh, was talking that this particular time period was a good time to use and, and to take the younger ones that hadn't really had a chance to work them in. And I wonder if that had anything to do with it, of him transferring. I don't know. I just asked some questions. The other thing is, uh, when South Carolina brought in at uh about this time of year uh a high school kid that beat us, uh was senior, true senior. Jake Bentley. And he came yeah. Uh and I don't know what that happened at that period of time of how that took place in that period of time. I Also remember in basketball about the same time frame mid season, uh last play- season or almost over or well, I don't know. But I remember when uh, was it uh was it was it, uh, Harris? Harrison? Uh what was the kid's name? Basketball. They come in uh in the midstream uh and played from high school. Jardel Stokes. Stokes, thank you very much. Uh I don't know if that's got anything to do with, with making a transfer or if someone had said, I want to, I want to, um, redshirt you, but also at the end, I can you could play this many, and I, many games and still redshirt. And that's what we're focusing on. If that focus or what was told me changed, then I would think, okay, it's time for me to look.
3: But I'm I, I'm I'm just asking questions. I don't know. All I'm am just all I'm asking. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of confused, Turkey man. Uh-oh. I don't think there's any benefit. Harrison can't leave and, and go elsewhere. Middle of the year. I, I think I think for him, my personal opinion from the outside looking in, it, it's him avoiding potentially getting thrown into a game when when he. When it doesn't benefit him, although he he would still be able to redshirt because he's not going to play in every single game remaining. And it it would take him playing in every single game remaining for him to burn his redshirt. He would at most play against – if Harrison wasn't transferring, I would think that he has a chance at playing against South Alabama and Vanderbilt. And that would be his second and third game of the season. So he would still be able to redshirt. So – I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's for him to get a head start on on school's contacting him officially. I I'm about to say officially uh, contacting him officially contact him yeah. being able to be recruited. That or just making sure that the coaches don't throw you in the game? All you gotta well, is I yeah, do have don't a even conversation. Really understand
1: that point either. Yeah, I got to do is have a conversation. I think that's really all you have to do. Let's go back let's go back to the phones. Um Let's get to Logan from uh, Chattanooga. Logan, good morning.
0: Good morning, Ben. Swain, how are y'all? What's up, what's up? Just uh, really wanted to get y'all's opinion on the Joe Milton situation. Mm-hmm. Because I guess I'm a little confused. Um, obviously, he had some struggles in the past at Michigan, but he was injured right at a broken, I guess, thumb. Um, and so that. I guess attributed to some of the struggles he had there. So he comes in under, um, this late, late spring, I guess, and, uh, you know, name the starter. Heupel's known for developing QBs. And then, uh, you know, he really struggled down the field, uh, with some wide open receivers and, uh, of course gets injured and then kind of hooker gets his opportunity. Comes back in against Old Miss, makes a tragic mistake at the end. And, uh, it's like, where do we go from here? I mean, is he developing? Is it, is it something under the lights that, that maybe it's kind of in between the ears? Or, I mean, what, where does he go from here? Is, can he still be developed? Is he developing? I just don't really know what to think about what happens if Hooker gets hurt and, uh, and Milton is the guy or, or maybe even into next year.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's all in between the ears, in my opinion, because physically he possesses everything you need to be, um, you know, all world quarterback. Um, there's not there's not many guys that can throw it like him. But I think it's the the mental part of the game that needs to improve. And I think the Ole Miss game really crystallized that that point the lack of awareness there. And listen, he made a mistake. He's human. It was a bad mistake. I don't think that, um, and other McKee on the, on the text box is saying, I, you know, I get that Milton made a bonehead mistake. Are we really, really writing him off as a backup? It's not that we are writing him off. We are saying, we don't know if he is okay with just being a backup behind him for another year being the age that he that he is. So I would be perfectly fine with him being a backup to be honest next year. I would I would love to have Hendon, Milton, and then Taven Jackson learn and be third string. And if Hendon got hurt, at least you have someone that's experienced um that can move the offense. But I don't think that's something that Milton would want to do is what it, we're
3: saying. Yeah. If I were him I would not want to do that. No, exactly. I, I would hope that he doesn't yeah. want to to do that, I, I I feel the same way. I I'm all for Joe Milton the backup. I, I am, love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely against Joe Milton the starter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, well, no doubt. I, if Hendon decided to to move on for some reason after this season, then I, I would beg and plead Josh Heupel to go get somebody, and no, not Spencer. Rattler, somebody asked on the text box if if we would be down to go get Spencer Rattler. They said no. I'm saying hell no. I do not (laughs) want Spencer Rattler. I know we said this a a couple of weeks ago, and and you agreed, Swain. But just to reiterate, because I know it'll get brought up again, no, no, no. I'm good on Spencer Rattler. He's not a good football player. He has a bad attitude, and I'm good. He's just athletic. That's it. That's it. Uh, So... I'd love Joe Milton the the backup quarterback, but I, 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 I that boat of him being the starter for me has sailed. Here is here if you took the
1: attitude and you corrected the attitude, I mean he would be coming in just like just like Henry Hooker came in, a guy that needed to be better throwing the football, that was athletic, and just needed a a different a different coach. I mean the attitude is what scares me about. Spencer Spencer Rattler. But if you can adjust the attitude, which, you know, hey, maybe Hypel can, I'm open to it, but my initial reaction is, nah, I'm good. Um, so I saw this take on, on Twitter and I'm like, what are we even like we just we just typing and sending? We ain't even thinking anymore. Like I saw someone blame Josh Hypel for the quarterback depth that we have right now because of the transfers. I'm like, what? You you couldn't keep Brown out on this football team. You had to let him go. And what you going to do, lie to Harrison Bailey, You try to get him to stay? You have to be honest with him. If he wants to stay cool, if he doesn't, cool. But you have to be honest with him. Josh Heupel took over a terrible quarterback room and did the best that he could do in the limited amount of time that he had. He was lucky and fortunate. That Hendon Hooker was sitting at his doorstep when he took over the job. He went out after spring, knowing that Harrison is not going to play, Mauer is not going to play, and he said, "Man, I might have. I got one guy, maybe, and that's Hendon Hooker. That's not enough." So he went out and got Joe Milton. A guy that was a former starter for a power five school just a few months ago that he, that he had a relationship with during recruiting. In the short amount of time, hyper did an awesome job flipping the quarterback room. You went from Maurer, Strout, Garantano, and two dudes that couldn't even beat out Jared, to Hendon, who was a former starter at Virginia Tech, Milton, a former star at Michigan, in a short amount of months. I mean, that's, hey, that's pretty dang good. And I, this person is like, blaming Josh Heupel. I'm like, yo, did, did Josh Heupel make fun of you when you were a kid or something? When y'all was kids and y'all going to save him in elementary school or something? Did Josh Heupel, like, ignore you in the hallway or something? Like, are you kidding me? Josh Heupel has done wonders with the quarterback room since he's gotten here. This is just the day and age. Of the transfer portal, where guys can quit anytime they want to, and coaches have to just take it. They can't say anything publicly. Imagine what the coaches really want to say when a player comes in during game week or an off week when you're preparing for a different opponent. Go, hey, coach, man, I think I'm going to transfer. Are you kidding me? You're doing this in the middle of the season. Coaches really want to be like, yo, you're quitting. But no coach will say that publicly because the PR would be terrible. But coaches are at a disadvantage when it comes to that. So it ain't on Josh Heupel. The quarterback situation was something that was created and allowed to get to this point by previous coaches, dating all the way back to Lyle Jones. Lyle Jones brought in Quinn Dormley and Jerry Gantano. He brought in Sharon Jones. And after Josh Dobbs, not nah, another nah, quarterback has stepped up and done anything. And it put Jeremy Pruitt in the position that he was in, and he screwed the pooch. So you had two two coaches before Josh Heupel messed that up, and now put Josh Heupel in a bad situation. So if you're blaming Josh Heupel, you need to chill out. You need to go get some facts. You need to do some homework. You need to update your Google. There's a new update on, on, on Apple right now, the 15. You need to update your phone and use Safari on your phone and look up some facts. Because Josh Heupel is not to blame for the quarterback situation being what it is or well, you're basically one injury away from rolling with Joe Milton and you're two injuries away from playing a walk-on. It's just the way it is. But when something happens, some people just got to blame somebody. It got to be somebody's fault. Sometimes it's not, it's not anyone's fault. Hey, your tree gets struck by lightning. Your neighbor didn't burn your tree down. It just happened. It was a light. It doesn't have to be someone's fault. It's not Josh Heupel's fault. But if you really want to dig deep and look at why we're here, it's not just one person. It's multiple coaches that didn't prepare the quarterback room after Josh Dobbs left. That's that's the truth. All right.
3: Let me keep moving. Make my blood pressure go up. We just shouldn't even give attention to those comments. Text
1: box, text box, text box. Uh, Other McKee says, Josh Hyper got Ty Simpson too seriously, considered Tennessee at the lowest point ever, then recruited a rising star in Jackson. What more do people want? They don't want the truth. Um, GBL says, Jamie Chadwell leaves Coastal Carolina. Would you reach out to Grayson McCall? Well, if Grayson McCall enters the transfer portal and Hina Hooker leaves, then Yeah. But you're not technically supposed to reach out to a player who is currently on the team. Technically, you're technically not supposed to do that. But some of the SEC teams, are, you know, around some. here, they don't they don't really listen to that, those rules. Um, but if, you know, this is a year, just like last year, that people are wondering. You know, does Jamie Chadwell leave and go somewhere else? But that's a really good question from GBO. If if if. Chadwell leaves. What happens to Grayson McCall? The same question um, was asked about if Hugh Freeze left. What would happen with uh, Malik Willis? What are you talking about, Willis? He's gone to the draft. Well, last year. Oh, yeah, last year. So, if he would have, if 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 he would have left last year, would Malik Willis have stayed this year under a new coach? Probably not. Probably not, right?
3: Um Would you stay at liberty without Hugh Freeze if you were a quarterback? The answer is no.
1: <laughs> you said it. Riley Voss says, Do you think Hendon stays? Do I really want to give an answer? Or do I want to give a, a coach a coach
3: speaky answer? Do I wanna do You're that? Not a coach, so why would you give a coach speaky answer? Because do my, you think Hendon stays? That's your personal I, I opinion. I think he stays. Do you think he stays? I do. Okay. I I, I just don't. I was surprised by the, the Mel Kuyper ranking <laughs> that we discussed yesterday. That, that allowed some doubt to creep into my mind, if I'm being honest. Because, again, it. Like we talked about yesterday, why, why not take a, a flyer on yourself in this year's quarterback crop? I mean, it's not a, it's not a crop to be scared about. Hinden ain't listening to us. I, I think he would really benefit coming back another year. But I don't know. That that being ranked number eight on Mel Kuyper's quarterback list made me nervous. Hendon has unfinished business. As of today, I think Hendon would return. And, um, and that's my personal opinion from the outside looking in. Finished business. He has unfinished business. But does Hendon think that he has unfinished business? I don't know. I don't
1: know. So an event, Fueled by Dead End Barbecue, Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant in America. Be right back. Stay with us. I'm Vince Moore, wide receiver, VFL 1991, and you're listening to The Swain Event. When I made the move to my own studio, I was worried about this. I was worried about that. I was worried about, hey, did I get this piece of equipment? Did I get that piece of equipment? Does that sound good? Does that not sound good? One thing I didn't have to worry about, that was office furniture. Because office furniture outfitters met my furniture needs. With a 50,000 square foot facility, they have East Tennessee's largest selection and are the best value for new and used office furniture. Located in Knoxville, it's easy to find everything you need for your new space, including desks, file cabinets, chairs, conference tables, and more. Office Furniture Outfitters is turnkey. They came to my place, we mapped everything out that was needed, they delivered, and get this set everything up to learn more about what office furniture outfitters can do for you log on to ofo-knox.com. that's ofo-knox.com. if you're coming to knoxville and need a place to stay do yourself a favor and book a room at hampton inn paper mill also known as the hampton on the hill this award-winning property is literally in the top five percent of all hampton inn properties the gm steven lawrence is a good old local boy who grew up in the business around knoxville He and his staff are always available, always willing to help, and will go above and beyond for their guests. The newest Hampton Inn in Knoxville has clean, affordable rooms, flat screens, fridges, and microwaves in every room. Plus, breakfast is included in every rate. Not to mention, there's also a pool and fitness center on site. If it wasn't so close to amazing restaurants, bars, and shopping, you would never want to leave. At only six miles from campus, you're still right in where the Big Orange Action is. Go to HamptonInn.com, search Knoxville, and book your room at the Hampton Inn Paper Mill or call 865-693-5400. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a
4: call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics. So we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue.
1: Doc, what makes your training different than others?
4: I've been practicing in Knoxville for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you, so you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of
1: training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done, and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. Fellas, when it's time to freshen up that wardrobe, there's only one play to make, and that's to go see my friends at Mark Nelson Denim in downtown Knoxville. Find the latest in small-batch denim in the heart of Knoxville. dot com For around the SEC Swain event, Field by Daddy and Barbecue. Ben McKee, Jason Swain here, live from the Low T Center studio. Ben, Jason, second day in a row with the Crocs, man. Looking good, man.
3: I didn't wear the Crocs yesterday because I had to go to campus. Afterwards. Crocs ain't
1: like that, Daddy. Crocs ain't like my Daddy. I be crocs ain't like my Daddy. Crocs ain't like my Daddy. Your Daddy got some Crocs too? Yep, he got some crocs. Uh, he
3: did at one point. I don't know if he still has them.
1: Croc ain't like my daddy. Croc my, ain't like my, my daddy.
3: My wife was at uh the Tanger Outlets.
1: Yeah, get them get them Crocs.
3: And I, I t she's been wanting to get me Crocs and I'm like, <laughs> I don't need Crocs. I already have shoes that I can slide on. And she calls me at the Tanger Outlets and I was like, what size do you do you wear? And I was like, hmm. I don't know, probably like a twelve. And she, I said, I don't need Crocs. I don't. Need, and Crocs aren't cheap. Like you would think they're like some twenty dollar pair of rubber slip ons that you buy at Walmart. They're they're what fifty sixty bucks. Yeah. I mean that's expensive for what, what you think that they would be. And I'm like, and she made the comment when she got home. I didn't realize they were that expensive. I told you I don't need them. You like them now. I do like them, but I don't need them. I've reached that point in my life. Could took them back to where I buy stuff. You could took them back. Yeah, but then I would just would have made her mad. No, no. Nah. She, yeah, she, she would have understood. No, because she got it as like a. She, she likes to, to buy things for me. Well, when she loves shows. you, man. There's a
1: lot of people that love you.
3: Exactly. So if I if I take them back, I, I'd hurt her feelings. No,
1: mm-mm. she would have understood. Look,
3: Swain. I'm young in the game, but I, I'm still like an OG, so oh, okay. I, I, I know how to play this play this game. So she she Man, when, them, even what? though I told her I didn't need them. I've, I've reached a point in my life to where I only buy things that I need, and I didn't need Crocs. But if she's going to buy them, then I am going to wear them. Man, let me... Uh... My memory's a little fuzzy here. Shut didn't, up, C Mac.
1: Didn't you throw. What are you talking about? Me wearing Crocs, throwing shade at me for, for yes. my for my for my Crocs yes, game. I,
3: I was throwing shade at you for wearing Crocs, not for simply wearing Crocs, but for where you wear your Crocs <laughs> too. That's where I was throwing shade. You you you'll have a, a teacher's a parent teacher conference at your kid's school, and you'll show up in in Crocs. You, you'll have a, a business meeting. At at twelve o'clock, and you'll show up in your Crocs. I, I'm not crocking that bad. Hey, I walk up in the meeting like.
2: <laughs> alright, alright, alright. You're gonna learn today.
1: Where's my seat? Alright, alright. Watch out, watch out.
3: I got my Crocs on. And, come I, and I like Crocs. I used to rock them all the time. I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not rocking them when, when I go out and about like you do. I haven't worn my Crocs in a long time. I know. I haven't seen your Crocs. You've been on your your
1: awesome Price shoes. Been my own, my own clouds or my... Or my They're dirty now. Va- Vapor Max or my... Looks like you need some new ones. Some 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 um, Pegasus. Yeah, I, I rocked those. Yeah, I was outside with my dog. Excuse me, my dog playing. So, I got to throw them in the washing machine. they will be all right. You must have uh, stepped in one of the holes that he's dug in your backyard. And I fill those up, man. I fill those up. Uh, let's get to... Let's get to the phones first, and then we'll come back to around the SEC. I had to check you out with your Crocs over there. I mean, I don't blame you for checking me out. Anyways, uh, who's on the phone? Court's involved. Court's involved. Good morning.
6: Good morning, guys. Wait a minute. We went off the rails really quick right there, didn't we? Talking about Crocs.
1: Yeah, man. I, I, we, had to, we had to have that conversation. It was brewing for a while.
6: <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, uh, my, my wife phone. She, she won't buy them for me. I, I tried to tell her, do not you buy me a camouflage pair or a Tennessee orange pair?" And she said, "Well, listen, I can't I can't let you be wearing those Tennessee orange Crocs." I said, oh yeah, why that? And I forgot for a moment there. I used to be a corrections officer, so should have thought about it. Man, oh, yeah. those orange Crocs, what so we used to give the prisoners to wear. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: you you'll be having people moving to the other side of the street when you walk when you walk past them.
6: I mean, who's to say they already don't?
1: Yeah, it's probably you're probably right. I do. Hey,
6: ben, ben probably will because I, I threatened physical assault on him there a little while ago when he answered the phone.
3: So. I, I gave it right back to you. you and why, and why would you do that, <laughs> Corteval? Why would
1: you? Why would you threaten?
3: You know, Ben. Hey, look, at, hey, look at that he, face. He's
6: offering up the info again that Hooker needs to get on out. Well, Ben needs to get on out. I <laughs> did not say he needs to get on out. <laughs> I didn't say that.
3: But just know if you slap me uh, in the face for it, I'm going to punch you right back.
6: That's okay. You better pack a lunch because I'm going to eat it too.
3: And i tell you what I'll be doing, guys. I'll be recording it. Video it. <laughs> <laughs>
6: that's
3: what I'll be doing. It's sending it to C-Mac and everybody else.
6: Look at Oh, God. He wasn't ready. Oh, man. No, I, I just wanted to make a quick comment about something. I do, I do wish Harrison the best. I do think he's a good kid. I think he. Could be a good quarterback at a, at a, at a school that, that you know uh, runs an offense more suited to what his abilities are.
1: What does that? What does that? What does that even mean? We mean. What does that mean? What? Do, what I mean. Oh, well, I just well, people he, are assuming I, I he that he has to be, be a running quarterback to be in this offense, and I, that's just that's just not true. Do
6: what? Now? I didn't hear I that said part, people
1: are assuming that he has to be a running quarterback to fit this offense. He just has to. No, be a, I, I
6: don't believe that myself, honestly.
1: Well, to fit any quarterback, to fit any offense, what what held Harrison back is processing information quick quickly. When you don't have the arm yeah. strength, you have to be able to process the information quick quicker. So it doesn't really matter what offense Harrison goes to. He's going to have to get better at that if he wants to be a starter at a high level uh, program. So when I hear people like, oh, you know, it just didn't fit, it didn't fit him, well, it's, it's because he wouldn't, he wouldn't fit a, really a lot of places because the processing of, of, of the information needs to be faster for Harrison. Once, once he gets that down and he's a guy that's fairly accurate, then he can have the weaker arm strength and be okay. That's, that's what Harrison got get better at. And here's the thing, too, uh of all, Harrison works, he works his butt off. So it's not a matter of, you know, if he's going to do it, it's when. And I hope he does it sooner than later uh, You know, when he has four years to play on the football field rather than, you know, two years or one year. I hope he figures it out. But when you work as hard as Harrison, it, it's only a matter of time before you get it. So I hope he gets it as soon as possible.
6: I agree with you 100%. And uh, I, I, I was having that exact conversation with a friend last night that from what I've seen of Harrison, even going back from to his high school, I mean, the, he's accurate. He, like you said, he doesn't have the strong star, but you don't have to have the strong star mm-hmm. If you're accurate and you know the playbook inside and out, you know what the defense is going to give you, and you can process, it, process that information, You know, as long as you can do it quickly, like you said, you can be successful. I think he will be successful because he is such a hard worker. That's really where I was going to go with, and I'm, I'm glad you took it there. <clears throat> uh, my thing that I really wanted to, to kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say bring up, but it's just something that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Is just, like, we have, like, so many of us as fans, and I'm not saying you guys do this because I'm, I'm just throwing it out there, but there are so many of us that are so quick to toss a guy in the trash. You know what I mean? Like, there's something I see way too much Milton trashing. When, I mean, the guy, if he gets in a good rhythm, if he starts... See in the ball, hit the hands of the receivers, start making some completions, and he gets to move around. He can be really consistent. And, like, I I really love what you said about it's between the ears for him. It's all between the ears. He has all the physical talent. He has all the capability. And he's a hard worker. We know he's a hard worker. I mean, we heard that from him when he was on prime. He's not doing it for everybody else. He's doing it for him. Mm. And I love that. And I, I kind of, I mean, for my part of it, I hope he sticks around. Yeah, me too. I like the fact that he's a competitor. He'll be good depth. And you never know, if the lot comes on, watch out. Because, I mean, Milt still has the capability to be a top-level quarterback. And we all know that. I mean, I know you see that. Because you played with some really good quarterbacks yourself. But mm-hmm. uh, I just—I want to get your guys' take on that. I'll hang up. Appreciate it, y'all. Hey,
1: thank you guys. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I like... Like, I like good stories, man. And just because you don't start your career on top or just because, you know, you, you, you didn't tear it up somewhere else, like, I love – and we got – I'll mention one name and one name I won't mention. But I love the German Banks story because if German Banks was thrown away, he wouldn't be one of the, the leaders on, the, on his defense. And he would have not been able to make an impact in, in the community of Knoxville the way he has. There's another player on defense that's one of Tennessee's best defenders that a couple of years ago when Tennessee was losing to Vanderbilt was on the sideline with another guy who was dancing. Just throwing your eyeballs, Ben. You know what I'm talking about? We talked about it on the show. And so I ain't going to bring it up, but like, if we would have thrown that player away at that moment for that mistake, maybe not knowing that – cameras was on him or saying hey man there's no reason to whatever his reasons was like hey man just because you're playing a football game whether you're up or down like the music should loosen you up and you know you, you dance doesn't mean that you are happy that you're down but the perception looked like you didn't care it, it looked like you wasn't serious that's the perception but i can totally see how someone whether you're up or down music is playing, you, you dancing a little bit. Because I saw South Carolina players. I mean, getting their head beat in, Ben, a mud hole was stumped in their right booty cheek. And Sterl was on the ones and twos over there. I saw South Carolina players dancing. And, and it looked bad.
3: And blowing kisses to the crowd.
1: <laughs> it looked bad. I was like, dude, do you not know the scoreboard right now? But that's what music does to you. Music, it doesn't matter what situation that you're in. Music... Impacts you. Music. Music makes you lose control. Music makes you lose control. The great philosopher Missy Elliott said this. This is this is correct, Ben. But this is a good point by Cortaval. Sometimes you guys just don't you don't like to throw players away just because they did something in one Moment of the career that was a mistake or that you didn't like or they didn't play well because you never know, you might have to go back to that player and need that player. Valis Jones dropped punt is a prime example of that. Now, it happened in short order, he dropped it in the beginning of the game, made some big plays at the end of the game, but he gave us a chance to win at the end. So, had to go back to JG a couple times, had to go back to JG to get Bo eligible that one year. That's right. So, um,
3: and beat. South Carolina? Yeah, I mean, it's just a good lesson. Or Mississippi State, I'm sorry. Mississippi
1: State, yep, first. And then you um, did, you know, everybody beat South Carolina. Every quarterback got a little piece of that. So, all right, let's go back to the phones. We've got Biloxi Vol. Biloxi Vol. Good morning.
7: Good morning. What's up, Swain?
1: What's up? What's up?
7: First time caller, man. This is, uh, this is pretty exciting to see you guys. I told Ben I got you on my TV for the first time, man. My boy hooked it up for you. It was cool this morning. I said, this is sweet.
3: What's up, what's up? I'm sorry that you uh, decided to put my face on your television screen.
7: Yeah, yeah, that's. I, I, I'm living with it right now. But I'm drinking my coffee, man, and <laughs> my little dog's just chilling. I love Look, it. I want to talk about yeah, people, uh, they kind of wrote Milton off, but I've seen several times on these little outpasses, these little quick outpasses. So I know Swain's going to know what I'm talking about. Oh, I when do. that hole closes, Milton's arm is so strong on those. If he can just hit some stuff over the middle and down the field, that little out pass, the way he drives the ball, we may have already scored two or three more touchdowns on those throws this year. Hooker's got a great arm, but it's not like Milton. No, but
1: it's not. We, it's not. And, and hopefully Milton, you know, makes makes those strides as he's the backup. And you know, No one is sitting here saying that, you know, he shouldn't be anywhere but the backup. All we're saying is we hope he continues to develop because you just never know when you may need him. You know, Hooker may get hurt. And if you've dumped on a kid so much to where – you know, he's not ready to play uh, when his numbers call, then, you know, that's, that doesn't benefit anybody. So he needs to go get better. Uh, he's physically gifted, but, no, but nobody here is talking about how he should be playing right now. Hendon is the guy and should be the guy for the rest of this year and next year if he happens to, to, to come back. So uh, sorry to interrupt you, but definitely had to make sure that we are on the same page there on that front. Yeah,
7: no, no. I, I Yeah, no, no. I know, I know you guys aren't. I just – I'm talking about – all the ball nation you know I'm talking about mm-hmm. it on Twitter everybody they kind of have written him off and I don't think that's fair yet but another thing I want to say man uh I, I've been a lifelong ball since uh I, I, uh I'm in Mississippi my my family has a, a construction company in Smyrna, so I spent a lot of time up there in the 90s and that's where I kind of grasped the hold of the, the orange and white but my wife she's just a Mississippi girl my my kids, and I'm down here around all these state fans and Ole Miss oh. and all that, so my family really don't get it. But if I had a camera in my living room the other night during that Alabama game, you would have thought she was the biggest ball fan in the world, man. She was so excited living on every minute of it for the first three quarters. Couldn't believe it. Biggest smile on her face. You, you just wouldn't, couldn't believe it, the way she was acting, man. It was so, so sweet to see that. And I tried to explain it to her because she's never – lived it in the way our fan base is and the excitement. And uh, I was just, i was glad she got to experience that. And at the end of the game, she's like, you know, it, it ended bad, but it was so worth it for me to experience this. You've been telling me this for years. And I said, baby, it's just, that's the way it is. I mean, it's, it's an amazing fan base. And when Tennessee's rocking and, we're, and when we're right, it's unlike any other fan base. That's what drew me to them in the nineties. When I went up there and back then, you went to Tennessee, and everything was orange and white. Yes. So we'd go there, checkerboard at every store. Everything was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but hmm uh, But I w- I w- before I get off here, I wanted to read one thing to y'all, mm-hmm. and it's kind of what I was just talking about there, what it means to uh, be a-, a Vol fan. I saw it on uh, Twitter, and I-, and I read the dude's message, and then I read the first comment, and I took a snapshot of it, and that was kind of my reason for calling. Uh, if you could just bear me w- with me one minute. Yeah. One second. I got a snapshot. I wanted to read the question. All right. So, oops. excuse me. All right. It says uh, I am currently a freshman at UT. I grew up a UK fan, so I'm new to the UT fan base. So I wanted to ask why is everyone so passionate in this fan base? Uh, it Could be my age. I wasn't even alive the last time UT won the SEC. But I'm just curious what makes people love UT so much. And this guy had this comment. I wanted to read this to you because it sums it up perfectly. Mm -hmm. His comment was, it's not just one thing. It's a combination of many. It's the volunteer spirit that dates back to the earliest wars in the country's history. It's It's the traditions surrounding the program from the Vol Walk to the Vol Navy. The running through the T. it's the checkerboard, it's the 102 455 fans on any given Saturday, rain or shine, hot or cold. <clears throat> it's rocky top, it's smoky, it's the mountains in the distance and the river right next door. It's the long history of cherished coaches and players, it's the memories of when we were unstoppable and the hope that we will be there again. It's the connection we all share from being born in this great valley. It's not something we just decide to cheer for. It's something that you're born into. It's something you earn by attending the school or growing up with only one activity on Saturday. The University of Tennessee is just not another school. It's, just una- it's not just another football program. It's the place to be. There is no fan base in all of football that is as ruthless yet as loyal and caring as this fan base. This is, a way, more, this is, this is way more than what I mentioned but that's a pretty good start. Congratulations on picking the uh, best college in America, and go Vols. So I'll get off here, man. I'll listen. That's just something I wanted to share with you guys, and I thought it summed up our fan base perfectly and what it means to be a a Vol.
1: Man, thank you. Thank you for sharing that Biloxi Vol. Call back anytime. Good to finally get a chance to to hear you. And thank you for supporting the show for as long as you have. Um, Man, we got to get to around the SEC, and – You know, Ben, we had um, Greg Sankey asked about officiating, and, you know, he gave his answer on the officiating. A lot of people have had comments, especially Tennessee fans, in the last two weeks, and Mr. Sankey um, talked a little bit about officiating. So, Mr. Ben, the floor is yours.
5: look at the dedication of our officials, and, and I'll speak to other collegiate conferences, the amount of time they they dedicate to their craft is substantial. And if you take a, an individual and simply make them full-time, does that really solve the dynamics of the game? So if we take a step back from the emotion, and, and Wednesday is probably a good day to do that, things are happening so fast uh, on a, uh, on a football field. And particularly when we see sped-up offenses, which is just a reality that we have to encounter in college football, that makes decision-making even more demanding. It has to happen more quickly. The evaluation points are still the same just in a compressed period of time. So we have to adjust to that. Having full-time employees doesn't solve those realities. And-
3: I just I don't, I don't understand why the SEC – and their do-boys want to continue to deflect, 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 deflect. Like, yes, the SEC has better refs than every other conference in America. Yes, arguably, the SEC refs are better than the NFL refs. But why should that be what you settle for? Just because you're the best doesn't mean that you don't suck, because you do suck. (laughs) You You are the best. Turd out of a toilet full of turds. You're, you're the longest. How does that make you feel? You're the longest turd out of a toilet full of turds. My dog took three craps yesterday, and, and and you're the biggest pile of crap. Congratulations. Like that. That's what I think of when I hear the the SEC and and their employees on the SEC network talking about. Oh, well, they're the best in, in America. Okay. That's cool. Congratulations. You still suck. Like that shouldn't be the bar. Just to be the best of of everybody. Uh, that that is terrible because that that's truly what is what is the case. And and then he gets on here and I I just I, look. I do think Greg Sankey is is really good at his at his job. I, I really do like Greg Sankey, but I I think he is striking out on this whole. Uh, referee officials situation, and, and this was on the Feinbaum show. And Paul Feinbaum, uh asked, "Should SEC officials be be full time employees?" And, and Greg Sankey may be right. Maybe full time officiating because it is such a tough gig. Officiating in general, it is. They have a lot of responsibilities, a, a lot to watch for. But how can it hurt to try? Play it again. That, that's that's my thing. How? Can it hurt to try? Play it again. Play it again, man. I got you.
5: They, they dedicate, and when, when I look at the dedication of our officials, and, and I'll speak to other collegiate conferences, the amount of time they, they dedicate to their craft is substantial. And if you take a, an individual and simply make them full time, does that really solve the dynamics of the game? So if we take a step back from the emotion, and, and Wednesday is probably a good day to do that. Things are happening so fast uh, on a a football field, and particularly when we see sped-up offenses, which is just a reality that we have to encounter in college football, that makes decision-making even more demanding. It has to happen more quickly. The evaluation points are still the same just in a compressed period of time. So we have to adjust to that. Having full-time employees doesn't solve those.
1: Man. Wayne. Greg Sankey is right. He's not wrong. Which part? The whole thing. He's not wrong.
3: No, I think he's wrong.
1: No, 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 no. Let me finish. Having full-time employees does not fix the problem. Uptemple offenses does. It do make it harder. But Greg Sankey's not answering the question for Us, on two plays, which has nothing to do with sped-up offenses, it has nothing to do with full-time employees. The Ole Miss play with Matt Corral has nothing to do with having a full-time employee because every play is reviewed in a remote location. It don't matter if the referees were full time or if that was that first day. You got somebody back in the, in the in the office that looked at that play and said, "Yeah, that play, all right." That's the problem. How about the Alabama play? You had Tennessee player get up with the ball after there was a clear fumble. That could have been a first time crew or it could have been a full time crew. The explanation for that play. Doesn't make sense. So is Greg wrong in what he's saying here? Nah, he ain't wrong. I think he's right. But I don't think he answered for the poor cause that we have seen the last two weeks. Just because you're full-time don't mean you're better. He's right. That doesn't mean that the fish would be totally better. It doesn't mean that at all. But my problem is there's been no closure or explanation that makes any sense. Ole Miss play, touchdown taken off the board. The Alabama fumble at the goal line. How, how does the Tennessee player get up with the ball? And you just award Alabama the touchdown. And I got another one. The Hendon Hooker hit. There was not even a flag thrown on the targeting. You're not going to even throw the flag and look at it? Not even, not even going to look at it. I mean, clear launch. I mean, it was like Mike Moore sat in a chair and just jumped up out the chair. That's how bad he launched. And then there was contact. When you have an NFL retired referee Who is on live television every Sunday night on NBC? Tweet out that should have been targeting. That should have been looked at. You have a problem. So I don't get distracted,
3: I'm listening to what Greg is saying. He ain't wrong in what he's saying. See, I think he is wrong because my take on it is like, yes, the the game is fast and and it makes it harder to make decisions if if things are sped up. I, I get that, but my thought process is, well, if you have referees that are that are committed full time to their craft, then they're going to be more able to make decisions when things are moving faster. It, it's it's like you and I here on on the show. We have a million things going on behind the scenes that that people don't see in terms of getting the video out on on Facebook and and YouTube and trying to answer the phone, deal with commercials and make sure everything sounds okay and and whatnot. If if things get sped up because something unexpected happens, like a guest shows up, calls in out of nowhere, you are able, because you deal with your craft every day, you're able to make the necessary adjustments on, on the broadcast, pull up the the ad that needs to be shown or or pull up the the person's face or or to to show who is on the phone on on the broadcast because you've done it so many times. You do it every single day, whereas at the beginning of getting this new software that you use to to broadcast things, you weren't as quick with it because it was new to you. So that's my thought process of why I, I, I get what you're saying and agree with you, but I also do think Greg Sankey is wrong and is making excuses and trying to deflect because in my opinion, if you have uh, referees that, that are full-time and that this is their job and they are studying and, and practicing like like a normal job, 52 weeks out of out of the year, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and then applying it on Saturday, then they will be able to make the correct decisions when the game is sped up on Saturday. That's the way I look at it. I think he was asked a direct question.
1: I think he answered it directly about full-time officiating. And just because you do something full-time, yes, you're better, but there's still going to be mistakes made. NFL refs are, are, are full-time. And I saw Julio Jones off a tip pass catch a ball on the sideline against the Chiefs, and I'm like, that was him. He, he, he dragged both feet. Well, the referees called it out. But guess what they did, though? They went to go review it, and they got it right. The point is you have the technology capabilities because you have a billion-dollar budget to get it right. It doesn't matter if an official is in his first year or if he's in his 40th year. Where we're coming from, and I think a lot of the fans are coming from, is the SEC is the best. The We've been the best at on-field competition, we are the best when it comes to recruiting. We are the best when it comes to play, you know teams from the NFL coming and drafting our players. We are the best. Well, this should be, without a doubt, without a doubt, looking at our officials and going, man, yeah, our officials are the best, and how we officiate our games is the best, too. We make sure that we get the call right. We care about... Everything else, we care about the perfect message. It means more. We care about the perfect branding. We care about the unbelievable event that takes place in the first week of December every year, the SEC championship. There's not an event in college football outside the national championship game that's better and bigger. I don't care how many trips ESPN game day take. Nothing's touching Atlanta the first week of december you got both teams their fans hitting atlantic station hitting the hitting the a there's there's like the sec putting that on it's unbelievable all the activities for the kids around the the, the stadium it's nothing better so we know that you can put on a grand event we know that you can do all these great things but when it comes to the officiating we're not seeing that same effort be put forward. We're not seeing those same resources being used. That's that's my issue. Like Greg, I think he's right in saying that just because you get full time officials doesn't mean every call is right. But he and this this is where you have a good follow up question. Well, what are, what are you doing? What are the SECs doing to make sure that more calls are right? And central office because remember every play is reviewed right so when the part-time officiating crew or the even the full-time officiating crew makes a mistake which they're going to because they're human what are we go, what are we doing about it to f- make sure that the call is right that's all I'm saying get the call right if it's extra cameras if it's taking extra more refs. yeah like like get it right yeah let's get it right i like remember remember like there was talk about uh, you know, we don't need replaying baseball because baseball is pure, and you're just taking away from the, the the purity of the game. Who gives a damn? Get the call right. You're already here six six and a half hours. Two what's and a, a half. What's what's another fifteen minutes? Get the call right because these players and coaches have put so much time into the game mentally, physically, emotionally. Let's not cheat them from. A play that may go in their favor, just because you don't want to change tradition or you don't want to take the necessary steps to get the call right. Get just get the call right.
3: It is, That's I all just, I'm saying. I just don't. I don't. I just don't like the the deflection because most complaints are I don't the, these this. these oddities like the Matt Corral play, like the Hendon Hooker. Targeting on the sideline, like the Bryce Young fumble into the end zone, like the, these are the calls that make people angry. It's it's the runners interference called against Tennessee in the SEC tournament when it was in the baseline. Well, the question got to be better. A, a clean slide. It's it's those type of calls that people. That get people going about the referees. It's not the the holding calls. Yes, yes, you hear the comments about holding. You hear people complaining about holding, but that's that's going to be part of of football. Like refs are going to miss those calls. Like that that's that's part of it. But it, it's these these egregious calls that that continue to to happen, or they continue to get wrong or not apply correctly that piss people off, and and that's what people are, are complaining the most about. So for Greg Sankey to get up there and, and talk about the game being faster and it being more difficult, like, okay, yeah, technically you're right, but you're deflecting from the calls that people are mad about that have nothing to do with the pace of the game. Well, the, quest, the question should have been better,
1: and there should have been a follow-up. I thought Greg answered the question directly. Like, he didn't have to offer up anything extra than what was asked. Like Paul asked him about full-time officiating. I, I don't think Greg is wrong in saying that full-time officiating wouldn't necessarily f- wouldn't just fix the issue because I don't, I don't think it would. But what would fix the issue is more camera angles and making sure that in the central office that y'all getting calls right. That wasn't mentioned. And the reason why it wasn't mentioned because the question didn't force him to, to say that. So ask a better question and give him a follow up. I yeah. thought I thought Greg answered the question directly.
3: To be honest, I mean he he did, but even like I don't I don't understand how he's he's not wrong. Like like you said that you don't think he's he's wrong in his answer. I I don't see how he's how he's not wrong. He said it. He said that. Getting full time rest wouldn't just fix
1: the problem. See, I disagree
3: with that. It wouldn't fix the like, problem. Like I said earlier, if you have SEC officials studying year round how a call is supposed to be made on the field, how would that not in- increase the fact that they get the calls right on the field? Because they they stopped the play against Ole Miss, and
1: the people back in central office said that it was that 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 was good. Like.
3: Let's, let's, let's do this outcome. But that wasn't the people back in the office. That was the, the, the side judge but, declaring that he blew a whistle for, for forward progress, and that's why Tennessee was not awarded the touchdown, not because somebody in the central office told them what to do. It's man, because the side play, judge on Tennessee's sideline said, hey, no, I deem that forward progress.
1: Every play is reviewable, is reviewed back in central office, though.
3: Every play. Not if it's forward pro- If a play is forward progress, deemed forward no, progress on the field, it's not reviewed. Man, every play is looked at as I'm, I'm telling you, if, if a play is called forward progress or deemed to be called for forward progress, like the old Miss play, like the side judge on, on the field that was on Tennessee sideline came flying in and claimed that he blew his whistle and, bl- and claimed that it was forward progress, if forward progress is, is deemed on the field, it's not reviewable. But that doesn't mean that full-time referees had a different call. That's a rule
1: situation. That's that's saying, okay, let's change the rule in the offseason to make sure that, that that play doesn't happen again. So if you have full-time officials, they're only going to follow the rule book that, that that is given to them, whether it's full-time or, or, or part-time.
3: I don't think the outcome changes. I just see it as if if that ref that deemed the play – Forward progress when it should not have been forward progress. I think we can obviously all agree on that. We talked about that the the Monday after the Ole Miss game. I mean, it was instantaneous. The the Matthew Butler Tyler Barron combined tackle and, and forcing the ball out. It was it was instantaneous. Like how is that forward progress? Uh, and, and then you sit there and you watch the Alabama game and, and Bryce Young keeps his legs moving, legs moving, nothing's happening. They don't call forward progress, and then and then the pile. Falls forward and and you give him an extra four yards when forward progress should have been called. My thought process, if these referees are are studying these things, learning these things, talking about these things all throughout the year, then you don't have the inconsistencies and you don't have the mistakes of blowing that play dead when it should not have been been blown dead. That's my thought process. If you don't want mistakes, get machines. To. I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect. <laughs> I'm not I'm not at all trying to claim that I, I think it would be a perfect process, but I think it would improve. Like there there's never gonna come a point in time where SEC referees in basketball, football, or baseball there there will never be a point in time when they are perfect. That that is not my expectation. But I think it can get better and in, improve and you increase the likelihood of plays being called correctly if you have full time officials. That's my opinion.
1: Well, Every play is looked at as central. Every play. And if a catch is made, you don't need a coach to challenge it. They'll stop the play themselves because they get wrong from central office. We've seen that many times where it may be a fumble, and before the next play is ran, they stop. They stop the play. Referees stop the play on, on themselves. It's not because the coach challenged it on one side or the other. It's because – there's a group of officials or a group of people in central office watching every single play of every game and they stop play to look at it i think that process needs to be better
3: i i think every play should be reviewable it like it is like reviewed
1: he, <laughs> but the the forward progress <laughs> is, is is not reviewed every play but man, every play from central is looked at by 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 people in central office every play is looked at It wasn't just the referees here in Knoxville. There were people back at Central because they look at every play. They look at every single play.
3: Not every play is reviewable. It's not. Okay. I mean, it's not. Forward progress is not reviewable. It's it's not. I'm saying that in the rule
1: book. I'm saying that they they look at every play. They look at every play. Every play is looked at from Central Office. I'm not saying that you go and review it. I'm saying that every play is looked at and make sure that it's called right. The call itself, the rule book says that a dead ball in that situation is not reviewable. You got to go change that rule in the offseason. You can't just change it in mid season. All I'm saying is, every play, whether it's a two-yard run, a 20-yard bomb over the top, whether it's a play like Ole Miss, there's people in the central office looking at every single play in the SEC. And I'm saying... That has to get better too. What Greg said, he's not wrong. It doesn't fix everything. Like it's that's not the magic, the magic answer just to make dudes full time. We see NFL referees messing up calls, but what they do do is they take the review process serious to get it right. NFL has bad calls just like college. The difference is. One is full-time, one is part-time, but take the time, use the technology, use the resources to make sure the caller's right, because humans are going to make mistakes, but you back them up by technology and invested in technology. That's all I'm saying. Do that. Do that better. Hour three coming up.